Welcome to season two of The Create Unknown. I am Kevin. With me is Matt. And Matt, we spoke with Quackity. And here's the question. What is a quackity? <laughs> I don't know what a quackity is exactly, but I do know, I feel like I've learned something about the create unknown. And between quackity and Dolan Dark, if, if you're some kind of duck, there's a, like a 28% chance you're going to wind up on the create unknown. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we favor ducks highly over any other <laughs> mammal, for sure. We should branch out to, uh, to other, other avians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I should say humans are right now like the, the the top mammal that we admire but ducks are are are, are making they're giving us a run for their money for our money I, I guess I am a human too so that counts I count that's true that's true and what we know by now is that ducks are pretty pretty interesting and creative uh, quackity is He's everything. You know, if you had to put, what does Quackity do on a bumper sticker? Uh, I don't even know where you'd start. A bumper sticker would cover the car, I think. It'd be, it'd be a car right. sticker. <laughs> it's like, do, do aircraft carriers have bumper stickers? <laughs> Plane stickers. Yeah, uh, Quackity is, well, first of all, he's super funny. And that's really kind of where it starts. I found Quackity on Twitter, and he was just doing these really surreal bizarre and hilarious and original and highly creative tweets. And I was just like, who is this guy? And then I started looking into his YouTube channel where his content is really all over the place. But I guess what really what marks his content is super fast paced editing and honestly, him just having a great time. Like he has an infectious laugh and watching Quackity is really to kind of laugh along with Quackity. He does a bunch of different things. He has a, a, an amazing time doing them. I mean, you can tell because he's laughing as hard as anybody who's watching him. He just knows how to pull the humor out of every possible situation. And sometimes that means making himself the punchline of the joke and he's cool with that. So it's it's a, like a really easygoing, lighthearted, fun way of doing content in general, whether it's on Twitter, it's YouTube, whether he's doing some kind of raid, you know, with Club Penguin or something like that, or just a funny tweet about Lunchables, which we'll certainly get to. No matter what it is, he's just having a really good time. And that's uh, honestly, that's a decent recipe for success. I think so. But I also think that it's important to qualify this with what we get into in this interview is how deeply he thinks about these things. So on the surface level, and maybe at the most fundamental level, he is a guy who's just having a great time on the internet. You know, all of his humor is very <laughs> deeply internet based. He is like in the Marianas Trench of the internet, just digging up whatever is at the bottom <laughs> and laughing at it. But, but man, you get into this interview with him and you're like, this is a really thoughtful person who is putting a lot of analysis and effort and processing into what it is that he's creating today what it is that he'd like to be creating tomorrow and really kind of like where he would like to be down the road. And I, I don't think that that necessarily comes across if you're just, you know, a fan of his content or you just have a cursory knowledge of it. But that's really what I love about what we're doing with the Create Unknown and having these conversations is just kind of like digging out that, I don't know, that like hidden thoughtfulness within such a variety of creators. That's what I liked about talking to him too, is you take this thing that appears on the surface to be pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Once you start to talk about it and we hear him talk about it and explain what goes in to what he does, the jokes that he makes, this, this kind of genius emerges. You know, <laughs> you scratch the surface on it and it's like this completely new mental world where you're like, oh, you know what? It's not actually that easy. Yeah, yeah. Because it's this nice balance between feeling like, hey, I could probably do this. But then also being like, hey, this person is really actually uniquely talented at what it is that he's doing. And, that, and that's really what we explore in this episode. So get ready to get quackity because you are about to enter. Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. And today, we have the one and only 
Quackity. How's it going? How are you guys doing? We are doing great. And we're excited to have you because, I mean, Matt and I were talking earlier, you know, we like to diagnose our guests a little bit because part of what we love to do about the Create Unknown is talk to different types of creators, talk about what it is that they do that's so successful. And with you, we kind of couldn't figure it out a little bit because... (laughs) I get that a lot. (laughs) I, I don't know how to categorize you. One of the things that I came up with was that you're sort of like a modern day biker. You're like easy rider on the internet, traveling from community to community, (laughs) sort of infiltrating it, leaving your mark, and then just on to the next town, just riding off into the sunset (laughs) (laughs) into the next town. That's probably the most accurate (laughs) description I've ever gotten for my channel. Because me personally, I haven't been able to figure it out myself. So I think I think that's really accurate the way you're putting it there. Yeah, we think about how, you know, the systems that people employ and the plans that they have. And sometimes they don't have one, but one develops, you know, de facto over time, whatever it is. And there's always something to pull from that. We can look at it and and figure out what's going on here. Right. And we're, we were talking about you and we have, you know, for months and it's like, what what is what is going on here? What is what is a quackity? You know, right. other than extremely funny. I mean, what you do is so, <laughs> so funny. And uh, when I came across, I think it was your your Twitter first that mm-hmm. I saw. And um, instantly I was like, this is one of my favorite Twitter accounts, if not my favorite <laughs> Twitter account, because it's just constantly oh, yeah. <laughs> surprising and weird. And, and what do you think about when you're doing these tweets and when you're doing your videos? Oh man, you see, I think the way I like to see my videos and the way I create videos myself is I like to take it one step further. You know, the only reason there's not a certain style to my content is because I never like to conform myself with one, with one certain path, you know? And I think it's very noticeable with my content. You know, I don't make the same thing over and over. And to a certain extent, that's also like not very beneficial for me because the way YouTube works is when you get a fan base and when you start getting fans and when you start getting, you know, people looking at your content, you know, for any normal viewer, what they expect is a certain type of video because, you know, everyone likes watching one certain type of content when they go to a certain YouTube channel. You know, if I go to... um, um, I don't, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Any t- a certain type of content, right? The, cons- the consistency, yeah. right? Right. People like that. People like the consistency with the creators are following. Me personally, I've never followed that consistency because I get bored <laughs> way too quickly. <laughs> you know, I can't. You see, uh, a great example I like to bring up sometimes is back in October, I was making uh, kind of reaction videos to TikTok yeah. content. And I did that three times and I could have been doing it for a lot longer. But after the third time, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I cannot bring myself to make one more of these videos. (laughs) So, you know, I'm constantly changing it up. I like to I like to try different things always. And I think that's what has kept me, you know, liking this job for as long as it has, because I've been doing this for I think um, six years now, almost six years. So it's been quite a while and it's been a lot of changes within my channel. But I think I'm fortunate enough to have a community or a following that kind of, you know, enjoys this kind of secrecy to the content I create. Yeah, they don't know what to expect. Do right, they? right. That's what I was going to say. Right. The element of surprise is is why it's compelling. Mm-hmm. But what you've built with the, the community that you've built, the common thing here is that people like you, you know, the content, the, the specific right. flavor of content is going to change and whatever it is, it almost doesn't seem to matter that much to them because it's yours. You know, they're, right. they're there to see you, whether it's a TikTok thing, whether it's a, a raid you've put together, uh, whether it's just some crazy tweet <laughs> at the at the base of it. It's the guy they really like. Yeah, but I, I wonder... Eh- you come up with so many funny formats and then sort of abandon them so quickly (laughs) Do people then kind of pick up that ball. And then, because I imagine that someone could say, you know, Quackity did this really funny thing with reacting to TikTok videos. 
I could make a whole channel of that and probably be really successful. Have have you seen people do that before with your stuff? You know, I haven't taken a close look at that. Now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever, you know, gone or or I haven't really seeked out to see if people, you know, take these ideas. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, even though I do take, you know, content a little bit further, I don't see an exact replica. Probably because I put a lot more thought into my content than, you know, maybe from a business standpoint, I should. <laughs> but I, I put a lot of thought into my content. And I think there's, you know, it's not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think there's just a level of unique aspects I put into my videos that at the end of the day could make them irreplaceable. You know, I think that's a, you know, not the proper term, but the one I know of right now, I think it's like irreplaceable, you know, for example, with, uh, with my recent series, uh, Discord's Got Talent, I spend days, complete days, just putting so much editing into those videos. And whereas it's not as, it's not impossible for someone to, to try and do that kind of editing. It is kind of very unique to me. And I like doing that. I like to set up a whole style for myself, you know? Yeah, I noticed that with the burning in the captions, where you'll just yeah. throw in captions for absolutely no reason. Like there won't be <laughs> captions, and then all of a sudden there are words on the screen, uh, completely unmotivated. And I, I had never seen, I mean, did you see somebody else do that and say, hey, I think that's really funny? Or was that just an emergent thing from your brain where you're like, I'm bored now. Let me just write what I said here on the screen for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I like putting small details like that in my content. You know, it's like a lot of, most people don't notice those kinds of details, those kinds of things. But when you get a comment, for instance, like you did, you just said right now where someone mentions it, it just becomes so worth it. You know, it's like you, I, I like adding those little bit of details because at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, it, it ends up being something I personally really enjoy enjoy making, you know? And the way, the way I see my content is I personally wouldn't be comfortable uploading a video if I wouldn't watch it myself, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I think for me, a big part of my channel is the editing. So it's like I don't get people to edit my videos for me. I kind of just do it myself because... I guess it's what gives it a special touch to the things I create. I feel like you could develop like a, a perfect plan for a video, a full script of every little detail and piece of how it's going to go, get somebody to edit it at your direction, whatever it is, and it just, they wouldn't be able to do it. They, they would not be not able to all. execute it the way you do. It would not be the same thing. It wouldn't be as funny. Just all those little quirks that make your stuff yours. Nobody would be able to replicate that. So even if... They looked at a format or an idea and like, yeah, I'll do these uh, TikTok videos. Uh, okay. In, in spirit, it's going to be in the same realm of content, right? There, I, I don't yeah. think you could be copied, really. You I know? mean, so, so immediately when you say that, I think of guitar players. So you can um, copy somebody else's guitar solo, right? And you can know exactly how to play it, but somehow it doesn't sound the same. That, that soul is missing from it. Like I think of... Uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. Okay, so like years ago, I, I, I was playing guitar and I wanted to learn how to play the solo to Cemetery Gates. And I went through YouTube and I watched every single person who ever tried to play the solo to Cemetery Gates and none of them sounded like he played it, even though it's the same notes for whatever reason. And, and it sounds weird to articulate and to say out loud, like it just didn't sound the same. It doesn't have that that soul, there's just something missing there. And I think that's kind of what you're getting to with Quackity's editing, where it's just like, man, it's not, it's not his guitar solo unless he's playing it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you can, you can add that same, you know, explanation to food, for instance, you know, someone makes a hamburger, it gives you the recipe, it's not going to taste the same, you know, it varies from person to person. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing from YouTube, you know, uh, for example, a lot of people are doing the same kind of content, but at the end of the day, everyone has their own special touch to it. And I like that. I personally really enjoy that from other creators as well. Yeah. So, so who are some of the 
Because you're of a younger generation. Matt and I were joking that like, you know, if things in our lives had gone differently, you could be our son. Yeah. I yeah. mean, not, not our Jeez. son, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. one of our sons. <laughs> <laughs> the biology wouldn't work out that way. But, but yeah, uh, we're, we're, we legitimately could be your father. Right. Yeah. And like a Darth yeah. Vader, Luke Skywalker. Which is harrowing. Kind of you're talking yeah. about it like, yeah, I've been, you know, doing YouTube stuff for six years. And I'm like, oh, so half your life. <laughs> yeah, instead of putting featuring Quackity HQ, just put featuring our son. <laughs> just put it that. That's the title of this podcast. Oh, we finally inter- interview our estranged child. <laughs> Quackity demands child support. <laughs> but I wanted I want to know, you know, you kind of growing up with YouTube, who were the YouTubers that you looked up to? Why did you get into doing this? You see, it's a combination of everything. Every time someone asks me, it's like, who'd you get your inspiration from? I don't have, uh, I can't pinpoint an inspiration because it's just, uh, you know, it's just a rolling ball of different creators I watch, you know? So it's like, I get a, I get a little piece of everything from everyone. And it kind of just creates what I do in a sense. So who are some of the creators that you really love today? Oh, today... I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch YouTube that much. I think amongst the creators I enjoy the most are people like Nakey Jakey. Mm-hmm. I think his mm-hmm. style is super unique to him. He just finds a way to make videos that is just so so mesmerizing to me. Apart from Nakey Jakey, the only other YouTuber I watch like frequently is Philip DeFranco. Mm-hmm. But that's just for, you know, being informed purposes. I, I don't really take take inspiration from him. But those are probably the two creators I, I watch nowadays. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I think of that the same way too in terms of like who do I watch and and like in the EDU community specifically, you know, trying to keep up with the other kind of like STEM creators or science creators. And it's difficult because I'm spending all my time making my own stuff that it's hard to find the time to to really kind of enjoy what other people are doing. Yeah, and it does take a lot of time. It yeah. takes a tremendous amount of time to not only be a fan of of one channel that produces a lot of stuff, but to know what's going on like in some subgenre or some community and with like the education right. stuff, you know it's it's huge. It's it's just so big mm-hmm. that if you want to have a good sense of what everybody's been doing, okay, great, commit 2-3 hours a day. So you can watch this. It just is not possible to do a job. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're talking about content like, like you make where it's, it's all over the place, you know, it's, it's stuff that's funny as, as opposed to like just science. Right. Right. Uh, I imagine that to, to really keep your fingers on the pulse of that would be a full-time job and then some. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you can get a sense sure. from social media, though. Like you can get a sense of what people are doing by following them on Twitter and stuff like that. But that's that's different than watching uh, all the videos that that somebody makes and, and being like, oh, okay, so their style has shifted visually here. Like this aesthetic is different, or like it's like being a a, a roadie or something, <laughs> like a virtual roadie following around Metallica, lugging their gear <laughs> to, to find out what they're up to. This episode is sponsored by Audible, so thank you very much to them because without that, you know, we couldn't do what we do here at the Create Unknown. So here's how Audible works. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. They also get unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs, along with free access to top newspapers delivered daily to the Audible app. The whole thing is very, very easy. Free exchanges, listen on any app and keep your library forever, even if you cancel. Audible opens up your brain folds to new ways of thinking about the world. I recommend that you check out a book called This Is Your Brain on Music. It's the science of how the brain processes sounds and all the amazing stuff that goes along with it. So if you're a fan of science or music or your own brain, you will love it. So start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Just visit audible.com slash the create unknown or text the create unknown to 500 500 that's audible.com slash the create unknown or text the create unknown to 500 500 to start listening today 
I want to uh, go back a little bit to something you said earlier about the way that you create content not being the smartest business move. And mm. and what did you mean by that? Do you mean like you you spend you like spend too much time on one video as opposed to just kind of like cranking stuff out in order to rack up views and AdSense? Yeah, I I mostly refer to that from two main things. Um, primarily, the first one is the one you said. You know, I I'm not cranking out videos. You know, releasing two times a week, three times a week, maybe even daily. Uh, from a business standpoint, yeah, that can be, that's, unfortunately, the way YouTube works is you have to be uploading constantly to one, make money and two, to grow. Because if you're just releasing videos like once a month, unless you're super, super lucky, you're not really going to see many results. And the second thing I was referring to is, you know, considering my style is all over the place, from a business standpoint, from my following standpoint, you know, um, people don't click on my videos every single time in comparison to other creators. Whereas if they had a certain style, people will click every time because they know what to expect with my videos. I'm assuming a lot of people don't see it that way. They're like, okay, I saw this video of quackities, but I don't even know if the next one is going to be interesting. So if it doesn't have an interesting title or if it doesn't have an interesting thumbnail, I'm just not going to click it. Cause one, I don't know what to expect. And it's probably not going to be like the last video I watch. So that can be very, that can be counterproductive for me. You know, even though I enjoy making those videos differently, uh, like I said, from a business standpoint, it might just not work out, you know? Yeah. It's uh, like if you were, if you were a musician, for example, and every, you know, every night you played a different type of music, like who would go see you? (laughs) (laughs) they don't know if they're going to get like death metal or a country band right <laughs> right, right. some people would really love you either way and go do that right? right but it's it's not traditional at all where you're saying exactly. if if you do this one thing and we we see this with vsauce 2 videos in the comments people are like you know i i watch every one of these because i know exactly what i'm going to get i you know i know the style whatever and and it doesn't matter almost what what that topic is. They know they're going to have a good time doing it. If if they didn't have that consistency, right, it, it would be really hit or miss. Yeah, but it, it also right. makes it hard to evolve, though. If you get locked into a format, it makes it really, really difficult to try something else and and grow that audience instead of just churning out the same type of video. Because, I mean, I definitely experienced that on Vsauce 2 where it's, you know, you create this content that people expect, like Mindblow, that people subscribe for. And then after a while, it's like, well, I would like to try something else. And even if that's successful, you know, I still get lots of people, deservedly so, saying like, hey, when are you going to make another episode of the show that I subscribe to you for? Yeah. And it's kind of like, well... I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry. Like I, I actually feel bad when I get those comments. Cause I, I am making like disappointing people. They signed up for a certain thing. It's not crazy for them to expect that thing. Right. And it probably feels a little funny not to give them that thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but what you described though, this tremendous flexibility for better or worse, you're not locked into anything. If you have an idea that you think is good, you can just do it. The way I see it is, I don't know, the type, the way I do my content, I see it sort of like a long-term investment. You know, when channels are stuck doing one certain type of video, they're stuck on that style for a long, for, for a solid period of time. And during that solid period, they grow tremendously. But there comes a time where the viewer is like, what's, what's next? You know, it's like, I'm, I've seen hundreds of these videos, but I want to see something else. And that's when they start leaving your channel. And, and I like the way I see my content is I think I've been on YouTube for so long specifically because, you know, I'm constantly changing it up. And the way I see it, like I said, is like a long-term thing. I don't grow super tremendously quick, but they're steady grow constantly. And I like that. But how did you arrive at that conclusion? Because look, a lot of people will arrive at that conclusion too late Mm -hmm. when they've already burned out an audience (laughs) on this format that they, you know, 
grew to become very, very stale. And then they're like, oh, oops, I forgot to, <laughs> <laughs> to evolve with the platform and evolve as a creator. Like, how did you figure that out without hitting that wall? Oh my God. So that's a great question. I figured that out around probably 2016. That was like around the leafy days. In 2016, <laughs> my content revolved around making skit videos, like, like you know, just kind of like what I do in Discord's Got Talent with the skits and all. Skits videos like those, but with text-to-speech. Like I wasn't using my real voice. I wasn't doing anything of that. I was just using text-to-speech. And there came a point where I was tired of it. People weren't really watching anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start integrating my real voice. I'm going to start integrating, uh, you know, aspects of my personality into my videos because text-to-speech just doesn't cut it. And I think it was that moment where I realized I need to do what I like to do. Is it going to work for me from a business standpoint? Probably not. But if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, I'm just not going to do this for a long time. And I'm just not going to want to do it for a long time. And I think that's the moment where I realized is I'm going to enjoy what I like doing. You know, it's not going to work every single time, but I'm going to give it a shot. And just trend, uh, like um, moving from text to speech videos to real life voice kind of personality videos is when I realized, hey, you know, I I have to switch it up. Otherwise, I'm not going to want to do this. I think that's how I arrived to that conclusion. So you've talked about mm, kind of the, the process on, on not really planning, right? You know, just being right. able to take whatever it is and uh, you're not going to burn out creatively when you don't even know what your content's going to be like six months from now, right? So that's, a, yeah. that's awesome. But I want to go with a, a really specific example here because I want to know your thought process on how you decided to make this video about the furry Discord server. Okay, like because I want to take a specific point in this whole timeline. And that was really popular, right? You know, three, four million views or something on that, right? I think five. Five? I think. Yeah, I think it got to five. Five million views, which is a lot (laughs) of of views. views. It's insane. So clearly a lot of people like this, right? But how did that idea come to be? Like, how does this happen? And also, um, just so the audience who hasn't seen the video gets familiar with it, if you could... (laughs) Just, <laughs> just walk people who haven't seen the video through what it is. That would be helpful, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try my best. Basically, uh, it's I think it's called Awful Furry Discord Servers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it kind of gives you kind of an idea of what it, it is. Um, basically, I go on servers, uh, furry servers, furry community servers, and I began looking for, you know, people from the furry community to kind of, I was, you know, a lot of people think this is a joke, but I was genuinely interested. I've never been like involved in the furry community at all. So I was, I was intrigued to know what, what these people were like. And I kind of, I kind of got derailed in that objective. And I kind of just started probably um, parroting them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to my own expense, though. Because, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to go in there and be like, oh, what, what you do is like is like weird or whatever. No, that's just not the way I wanted to do it. So I kind of started parroting them and just kind of making a fool out of myself, pretending to be, you know, one of them. Uh, so that's basically what the video is. Uh, <laughs> it's... It's a wild ride, honestly, the process (laughs) I went through when making that video. When I first made that video, I went into two types of servers, not just one. It was furry servers and online dating servers. Okay. And it seems on Discord, online dating servers are not allowed. You know, they'll get like completely nuked off the platform. See, I didn't realize that that was even a thing. No. (laughs) I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and Discord's actually gotten a lot of trouble because of that, but that's another topic. So I went looking for these two kinds of servers, online dating servers and furry Discord servers. Online dating servers, just, you know, they're people looking to date each other, so I, there's not much I could get from that. Um, furry Discord servers was a different story because I went in the servers and I went on voice chats asking people like, hey, who <laughs> who wants to role play with me? 
So I start doing all these different stupid things like, hey, you want to owo? You want to <laughs> owo? <laughs> so so kind of to like infiltrate their community. But I don't think I was doing quite a good job because they all kind of caught on. Well, the first uh, from two people, one of them caught on. He added me into a voice call with his other friends. And they all just kind of started laughing at me in a group like, what, what, what's this guy doing? You know? Uh, the second one took it more seriously, which is where I got, you know, the other bit of content. But all of the jokes, they were kind of at my expense. And and I think that was the the coolest part. You know, it was a uh, the title kind of states otherwise. But when you actually get into the video, you know, it's uh, no one's getting harmed in any way. And it's kind of just a joke, funny video. Now, the process of. I don't know if you asked like the process of, of doing the video or editing it. Oh, either way. I mean, I was fascinated okay. by <laughs> the idea of, of you having the idea to do this in the first place and then taking that right. spin on it that you just explained, which it, it was really cool that you come in. You don't you don't do any actual harm. Like, you know, right. you weren't rude to them. You know, you were you were like a, a kind of goofy, fun copy, uh, you know, parody right. of what they do. And it, then all of a sudden you're like the punchline to the joke. And right, like they're making them fun of you and laughing at you, <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. become the fool. <laughs> Which is an so incredible funny. genius in it. Right. <laughs> like, this is masterful. It, it's ironic, too, because that video got me in trouble with, you know, the Discord staff right. team. Yeah, that turned into so, its own saga, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it did. It did. And it just turned into a whole series of events that I would have never imagined. Um <laughs> I mean, would you guys want me to jump into that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah. Absolutely. You guys want. Uh, that video got me in trouble because one of the Discord, uh, someone who worked at actual Discord, uh, seemed to be part of this community. And they just got, I guess they just didn't like the video. And they kind of they kind of sent me an email. They're like, hey, um, you know, we're, we're terminating your account because of one, you're rating Discord servers, which is not true. And two... You're posting images from Discord in ways you think is funny. And like those, those were almost the exact words they use. And I'm like, what? I remember from the screenshot you put up on the video, that is really what it mm. said. And I saw yeah. that. I'm like, number one, what does this even mean? And number <laughs> right. two, if it's what I think <laughs> right. it means, who cares? Like you show a screenshot of a chat. Why is this a thing? Why is that a problem? It was a mistake. It was a mistake from their part. Because first off, when you get those emails, you don't usually get an explanation. But this certain staff member just kind of went out of their way to just to just tell me what they felt <laughs> about my content. So, you know, it was just ridiculous because obviously my video did no harm to anyone. Right. It didn't paint their community in a bad way. It painted painted me as kind of like, the, you know, the punchline of the joke, like you said. Yeah. So so it was really ridiculous the reason this happened. And clearly just a bias from the moderator because they were part of this community. So, so you angered a furry at this <laughs> Well, it's funny to think that having fun on a platform is against their terms of service. It's like, um, excuse uh, me, this is uh, no fun allowed here. You are banned yeah. <laughs> for having a good time. Yeah. And you did get banned, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. And I never got unbanned. And the problem is, it's like, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just, um, you know, me getting banned the whole platform kind of just implemented a bunch of rules where literally it was almost like no fun allowed. Uh, there's this thing on, on Discord called partner servers. And partner servers, you know, get different kinds of perks from Discord directly. I was a partner. Okay. So, you know, I had a partner server. Uh, so after this whole fiasco went through, um, Discord, I think it was like a week ago, added a whole new guideline, like a whole new list of guidelines for partners, something they never had before. <laughs> you changed, and <laughs> you changed Discord. It, I didn't even expect it. I, you know, I was, <laughs> me personally, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. My objective with that whole video and that whole stuff, like about Discord was to genuinely get a better version of the staff team because Discord has amazing engineers. It has amazing people working for it. But the trust and safety team just doesn't cut it. You know, it's not up to par with the other people it's employing. So so my my main objective with this video was, hey, you know what? Just take a look at what kind of people you're hiring for your community-based team. Right. You know? And I don't know if it was counterproductive. I don't know if there was an actual review of their team. But what, what ended up happening is they got a lot more strict. And they, like I said, they added a whole guideline, a whole new 
you know, section of guidelines for partners where they can just get away with banning you and justifying it within their guidelines. When a, a particular rule was that um, something they didn't have before was that Discord could ban you based on your conduct on other social media. So even oh, if yeah. you're not breaking the rules on Discord, you can get in trouble. That's been the justification for deplatforming people in a lot of different places, right? Yeah. Where that's been an issue. Like, hey, you behave badly over here. Right. We don't want any part of you, even though none of this none of this happened on, on our platform. I didn't know that Discord had gone in that direction as mm-hmm. well. I guess it does make them make it really easy to just shut down somebody who, for whatever yeah. reason, they're not in. It gives them carte blanche oh, to yeah. just ban anyone really at their own judgment. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's a big mistake because um, within my Discord video, I did say one thing. And I said, it when I try to look for other trust and safety team members on Twitter, turns out they were just like a copy and paste. Mm. They were from the same community. And I'm assuming they had the same kind of views as their co-workers. And it's a problem when Discord implements guidelines like these because you're putting you're putting the decision making in charge. Uh, you're putting the people in charge of the decision making. Oh, let me let me try and word this properly. So the people you're putting in charge right. of, of what happens to the community they're in an echo, an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know how to challenge their own views and they don't know how to how to say, okay, is this right or is this my point of view? And that's a huge issue, especially with Discord becoming, you know, huge platform. In fact, I don't know why you guys are still using Skype, but, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> because we're 30 year old boomers <laughs> with our like sipping monsters and mowing the lawn. Yeah, you're lucky that we didn't video chat you on AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only reason we have uh, question marks over our monsters is that we want to entice some sort of like beverage brand to uh, sponsor our drinks. <laughs> Boomers get sponsors, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, he pulls it up and it's actually like an insurer vitamin supplement no. <laughs> we need to take to prevent osteoporosis. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is lewd though. I'm like undressing the monster. <laughs> maybe Ooh. maybe that's the title of this podcast, Undressing the Monster. Oh. That doesn't sound like what I was describing at all. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> Hey, this episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Yeah, and we're talking with Quackity, who is a really unique case because Quackity doesn't do the same thing month after month after month. And he explains how three months from now, he might be doing completely different content. Kevin, as a creator, what do you do when you need to know new things as your content evolves? You must have hit a few of those points, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely over the years. I can think of explicitly with editing, like you start editing one type of video where it's like maybe a lot of graphics and images and you're just making what's ostensibly like a slideshow. And then, you know, where I'm at with Vsauce 2 now, it's all production heavy where I had to figure out how to shoot something overhead. And that was a lot more complicated. And sometimes, you know, you can feel really all alone with your ideas when when you don't know who to talk to or who's done it before uh, that could just lend you some advice. Yeah. And picking up the skills that you need to execute whatever type of content, like you mentioned, going into illustration, animation. Six months down the road, Quackity might be doing something completely different. And uh, I was looking at Skillshare and the different courses. Whatever you need to do, whatever you can dream up for what that content is going to look like, you can pretty much get a crash course on how to do it. You know, and I was looking through simple things like styles. There's one on retro futuristic illustration. Well, if styles went in that direction, you could do this course, which is something like uh, about an hour and be able to build something that fit and that was unique. Same with the character illustration, uh, drawing faces and and stuff like that. Whatever direction Quackity goes in or anybody else goes in, they can do one of these little crash courses and get up to speed and execute their vision, even if it's wildly different from what they're doing right now. Yeah, and that's why we love Skillshare. We love working with Skillshare on the Create Unknown because it's such a a natural alignment. We're obsessed with learning and we're obsessed with gaining new skills and talking to people and picking their brains. So if you're into that too, we got 
you two months for free. You just have to go to Skillshare.com slash create unknown. And that's two months of free knowledge at Skillshare.com slash create unknown. Make sure you use that last part so they know that we sent you. What were we talking about? Uh, uh, arbitrary decision-making right. decision yeah. decision yeah. and, and echo yeah. chambers banning people because they don't like what you say. Yeah. I don't know what repercussions that are, you know, like what uh, anybody can do about that. You've got to make good rules. And it's yeah. like this with any kind of regulations. It's like this with any kind of law. But what if I they mean, don't care? I mean, what if the people in charge don't care about the rules and they just the want to be able to, you know, throw down an authoritative banhammer yeah. uh, at their own discretion because they're because they know what's right. Right. Well, then the, the market sorts it out or it doesn't. Right. And I don't know. What do you think the pushback has been among people who use Discord? Do they really care about this or is it just like an unfortunate thing when it happens to one person they like? See, before my video, Discord kind of had like a clean history. They had a clean slate. Yep. And no one really complained about Discord, and they were seen more as a user-friendly kind of platform. But ever since my video, you know, a lot of people have came out and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I've I also have these problems with Discord. I also have these these issues with the platform." And it's come to a point where even these guidelines are being protested heavily mm -hmm. by the partners. People are just like, "This is this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You're expecting something from us." That is just unrealistic. So uh, I'm not sure if that was the question you're asking, but in terms of people complaining about these rules and these and these things Discord does, it has increased in a way that I think is necessary for a company, especially that big, um, to you know grow in the in the sense that grow more user friendly. Unfortunately, they're just they're going backwards, in my opinion. They're not they're not really. They're, they're making these counterproductive guidelines that f further from, you know, getting closer to a user, they're just kind of like, fuck you guys. This is, you know, we're just going to do whatever we want and what we think is right. So For the good of the community, yeah. too. Yeah, for the good oh, of, of humanity. <laughs> we're going to make this, this rule so that uh, some, some furry behind a desk... <laughs> Can see something that, and that, you don't mean that in a derogatory way. No, I mean like just a literally little furry. a little. Yes, yeah, that's and, just what he is. And it, it, like that's that's a pretty small, tiny little community in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. So it, with uh, places, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's pretty big, but uh, it could be any community. Is my point? You know, like, that's why I say, like, a furry deal. Okay, that's that's what it was in your situation. Who's going to see something tomorrow and be you know offended by it or, or just say this shouldn't be part of it? it when you have uh, like you said, carte blanche, um, when the rules are that vague and can be applied in so many different ways, anything can happen day by day. Well, for whatever an, reason. an employee can take something personally and then use their power to eliminate a user at their own discretion. That seems bad. It's not going to go well in the long term. That seems bad. It's not. Yeah, you have to hope that if you have a system like that, the best case scenario is that nobody abuses it. Well, we abuse these things. Like we use bad judgment and everybody is going to do it. It's going to happen. Right. So you have to not create a situation where those mistakes happen. I'm trying to think of an analogy like in a school where a student does something to upset a principal personally <laughs> and then they get to just expel them. Like, is that... That can't be a thing, right? Well, it's actually it actually it is actually a, is a thing. Yeah, so well, that seems bad too. Yeah, so like, <laughs> uh, so my background before YouTube stuff was in education policy and and news related to that, right? Every once in a while, you'd you'd hear about exactly the scenario you mentioned where uh, off campus conduct is dealt with by the school district. Okay, and in some in some ways that can be that can be legal for a district to do it. In other ways, it's not. But there's always a question about, hey, even if, if you're permitted to do this, should you do this? Is mm -hmm. it the right thing to do? And generally, people say no, right. right? But it's really a similar scenario. Can you imagine if some stupid thing you did uh, when you were in high school that had nothing to do with school at all, uh, you show up to school and like you're suspended because of it mm -hmm. with no legitimate reason? And there have been cases in the social media era of, you know, like kids kind of harassing principals and stuff like that. 
Oh, online? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and being dealt with by the school. And that's a really murky area because it's partially, it's, you know, it's happening because of what's in the school district. But actually, it's not. It's, it's a private outside issue. Just like if I harassed you, it, it's the same problem, right? So it gets extremely murky. And in that case, laws are way out of date for this kind of situation. You know, they don't take in the nuance that happens with those crossovers. Well, and that's the thing with all of this is it's all so new that we're just kind of, everyone is making this up as we go along. So I think that you bringing up uh, problems with this, with Discord, I mean, how old is Discord? Yeah. When did you start using it? I started using it maybe a year and a half ago. Okay. Like it's That's, relatively yeah, it's very like new. brand new. So uh, it doesn't get a lot newer than that a year and a half ago. To be that massive. Yeah. And being just a few years old. Mm-hmm. And we've talked to, about uh, kind of the evolution of YouTube with a lot of different people. Like this is a process that what has taken 10, 12 years mm-hmm. where people look at video differently uh, as the platforms have evolved, right? before YouTube was a huge, huge thing, a whole lot happened. Discord is a staple in a lot of communities now. And that's happened in a really short period of time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's like me personally, the way I saw it is I'm, I'm invested, uh, you know, to a sentimental standpoint, I'm kind of invested into seeing Discord grow into a good thing because I use it. My friends use it. A lot of people I know use it. So so it's like when something like this happens, you're like, wait, you know, Discord is relatively new. What better than if they fix it now, you know, than to it later happen in a bigger scale? Uh, like I said, though, unfortunately, they're not doing much for this. They're just kind of, they're just kind of implementing rules and guidelines that protect them and and be like that, I guess. So you're out of the partner program at this point with yep. with Discord. That's that's said and that's done, huh? That's over with. Yeah. And it's like me, per, I've, I've actually, you know, kind of considered reapplying <laughs> because uh, to a certain extent, I've, I've kind of, you know, with my content, I'm not like on the bad side of Discord. You know, I'm doing fun things on Discord. And personally, I think I'm bringing also as well, like a lot of traffic to to their application or to their software. So, you know, at some point, maybe I'll reapply. <laughs> you you <laughs> just waltz know. in with like a fake mustache and like a <laughs> fake nose. And your name is Schmackety. Hopefully they just kind of forget about the whole thing. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you in. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a brand new person. <laughs> um, I wanted yeah. to ask you about like your everyday life. Okay. Mm. Because in your videos, I don't think I've ever watched anyone find things funnier than you. Like you laugh hysterically at some stuff that I don't think is funny, but I then laugh because you think is so funny. Like I'm thinking of a video where you you were doing some sort of character creator and you were like messing with the slider and you made a character like really skinny. And you just started hysterically laughing at like how skinny this character was. And I'm like, that's not even funny. But you are like dying laughing. And then you like superimpose like a picture of a stick over it. You'd be like, this character is as skinny as a stick. I don't know why you talk like an old man in my head. That makes no sense at all. But um, is are you like the, do you go to grocery shopping and just start laughing at Lunchables? Like what happens? <laughs> See, I, I think it all comes, you know, from my family personally, you know, uh, my brother, uh, kind of started making videos before me. He doesn't anymore. You know, he kind of did it for fun for a while, but I think it involves, uh, how I was raised as well. You know, um, the culture I was raised in, cause I live in Mexico and the culture I was raised in, what is, more of a poking fun at everything kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so until recently, of course, but you know, the way I was raised, like there's no, there's no boundaries. There's not a lot of limits to what you can make fun of. You know, if it's, if it's the Lunchables, <laughs> you know, if you, if you can find a way to find that hysterical, you know, just go ahead. And it, the cult, yeah, like I said, the culture I'm in is just poking fun at everything. And I think I think maybe that has a thing to do with me finding just about everything hysterical, you know, even when I'm editing videos, for example, like today I w- I'm editing, you know, another Discord's Got Talent. 
I, you know, all these little edits I do, I just watch back over them and I'm like, wow, that is really fucking funny, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just funny, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I, I like, I like, uh, you know, I just like poking fun at everything, making a funny situation out of maybe the most serious, like normal thing ever, you know? So, so I, I guess, I guess that has something to do <laughs> with the way I find, I find things. Have you ever been yeah. in public by yourself and just started laughing at something? Cause this has happened to me before. So, so I have, you know, whatever disease that you also have where I will just start thinking of things as being super, super funny in my own head. And like, like for example, um, the Lunchables tweet that you made made me laugh so much because, <laughs> because right. I had a, a, a memory of years ago. I was going food shopping. I was by myself and Lunchables came out with this like new branded version that was extreme. It was like extreme gamer Lunchables with like <laughs> lightning bolts and like, you know, Xbox 360, you could win it if you only eat. But meanwhile, Lunchables is the most mundane, like boring <laughs> Like, sorry, Lunchables, you're not going to be sponsoring the Create Unknown anytime soon. But it's like <laughs> tiny discs of like bland crackers and like weird meat. Processed food on a cracker. It's the least the extreme thing. I can't think of anything less extreme <laughs> than Lunchables. But maybe, <laughs> dude, eating cat food would be way more extreme than eating Lunchables. So, no, you're wrong. The eating Lunchables is, you know, if there was like, if someone was having trouble sleeping, okay, I think that you could go to their house and just eat some Lunchables and it would put them to sleep. That's how boring <laughs> Lunchables are. But the packaging was trying to make it out to be like this epic gamer journey. And I just started laughing out loud by myself in public. And I've never felt crazier because here I am hysterically laughing, holding up Lunchables at the supermarket alone. So when I started watching your stuff and I saw you laughing at, you know, things in the same ballpark of laughing alone at Lunchables, I was like, maybe Quackity is, is my son. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. We learned something new every day. <laughs> See, and that in that tweet in particular, that tweet says, uh, don't eat lunchables, they give you diarrhea. I think that's how it goes. Yeah. And I was <laughs> and I was like, thinking of that about I don't know, 10, 12 minutes ago. You were talking, you were explaining the Discord stuff, and I'm I'm holding back laughter. You weren't saying something funny. You were talking about the nuts and bolts of like Discord politics, right? And I'm thinking of this lunchable tweet. Are you tweeting like Lunchables give you diarrhea or something? And I'm like suppressing the laughter on this, thinking, how do I even bring that up? So I'm so glad that you guys got to the, the processed meat of this whole thing. See, it's like, it's uh, going back to the same thing. I, I love, you know, just kind of mixing funny stuff with, you know, normal everyday shit, you know? So it's like my, the process. I remember that making that tweet specifically, the process behind making that tweet it's just a mixture of things. That day prior in the morning, I ate something. I don't remember what I ate, but I, I just got a super bad stomach ache. I I think I actually did have diarrhea. And, and so I was just scrolling through Facebook and I see a picture of Lunchables. I'm like, shit, you know, if I ate Lunchables, would it give me diarrhea? And, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to tweet out. Don't eat Lunchables. It gives you diarrhea. <laughs> Stuff like that. You know, it's a combination of different things that actually happen throughout my day that, you know, causes me to tweet things. Like my tweets, probably like 90% of them are based on things that happened to me that day. <laughs> so, But the funniest part to me about the Lunchables tweet was that there was a follow-up tweet that was essentially like... <laughs> Yes, I did get diarrhea. It must have been the Lunchables. It was like, it's like, yeah, I probably at that follow up, my stomach ache got worse. So I'm like, let me go follow up to that tweet. So it's funny how your real life gets filtered through your funny brain and then ends up into In your tweet. content. Yeah, into these tweets, into these videos yeah. that are just wholly unique, as far as I'm concerned. And how did how did that? If, if things are coming from every day, right, and you're putting them together, mm. how did the Grandma Bertha persona evolve oh out my. of this? The Grandma Bertha thing was so kind of last minute because prior to Grandma Bertha, I got two Twitter accounts suspended. 
The first one was the one I have now, which I recovered, thankfully. Uh, but the second one was an account called Quackity HD. It was also based on me, though, obviously. And it got suspended. And I'm like, fuck, these guys are just going to suspend me every time they see something related to me, I suppose. So let me just let me just work on getting my main account back. And meanwhile, I'll, I'll work on on Grandma Bertha. And you know, the funny thing is, Grandma Bertha is an account I made in 2015. That I... So before Sorry? all of this, before you needed the account, before the Twitter thing happened, yeah, you already I had did. the account. <laughs> I did. Okay. I, I made a video right. called uh, the Twitter tutorial. It was this text-to-speech thing, and it was basically giving you the ins and outs of of Twitter. And one of the jokes I pulled there was that uh, I was telling the viewers, it's like, you got you to gotta start using Twitter because boomers already found Facebook, and they've taken over. <laughs> so... So I made this joke where where I make I have this character that's using Twitter and he's like commenting on these hot girl pictures or like taking pictures with hot girls and whatever. And then you get Grandma Bertha, a boomer, infiltrating Twitter. <laughs> he's like, oh, that, that's such a sweet picture, honey. XX, you know. <laughs> so that's where it originated from. And just, you know, further down the line, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to reuse that account. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't have a backup old lady Twitter account? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all do. Sitting it's, in the back pocket. It's very, very typical. In case yeah. you need it. Because right. someday you might. Yeah. You just might. If you get banned, then you go to backup Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> Your fake grandmother persona. I, yeah. I think exactly. I was really lucky exactly. to get that handle too. Grandma Bertha is just probably <laughs> top notch. It's gold, man. You could sell that for like tens of thousands of mothballs. <laughs> Where there's originals. <laughs> but yeah. So what's the, uh, you know, you, you're doing everything kind of day to day. But you you are talking about this as a long term mm-hmm. thing. So what in your mind is that long term? What does that look like for you? Honestly, I'm going to be super super real with you. I I underestimate I'd say my longevity on YouTube. Probably three years ago, I was like, man, I'm not gonna last here one more year. Last year, I was probably like, man, I'm not gonna last one more year. <laughs> So even though I see it from a long-term perspective, you know, sometimes I doubt myself like, wait, is this, is this actually going to work out for me? Every year you figure that this is the last year that you'll be relevant, but that hasn't happened yet. So what does that mean? Uh, that I'm probably doing a good job, but you know what? I'm, I think uh, whether I want to or not, I think a certain part of me is just still going to doubt myself. <laughs> but, you know, it's been working out so far. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I don't, I don't know when my career is going to end. I don't know when like my relevancy is going to drop. But the way I see it is I'm going to enjoy it for now. You know, if it can actually end up being a long-term thing, then it'll be all good, you know? So that's why I'm constantly changing up, you know, because if I don't, I'm just going to be like, okay, my relevancy dropped and it's my fault. But it's never in a way that I didn't put enough work to it, so I lost my relevancy. I never want to find myself in that situation, which is why I'm always changing things up. Yeah, I think that's really, really smart. And I think that's really the right attitude to have. I mean, we talk about that with other creators, too. And maintaining that relevancy that you're, you're afraid of, I think, is largely contingent upon what it is that you're doing, which is always being concerned about that, first of all. So I think a lot of people just don't even think about that and, and genuinely believe like, well, this gravy chain's just, just ride on forever to the moon. And it's like, and they yeah. say it like that in their head too. Every one of them <laughs> yeah. says it just like that. And all gravy trains and at the moon, but uh, I don't know, that made no sense. It's awesome talking to you and it's awesome to hear kind of like the thoughts behind tweets like Lunchables give me diarrhea because quite honestly, like that's what I love about this podcast. And that's what I love about talking to to people like you, where you get one kind of angle on a person, like a sliver of their personality or their ideas or their thoughts on social media. And, you know, they get popular for it. But behind that, there's a whole like endlessly deep well of thought going into that. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I don't think most people would guess that. No, you would see something that looks like a throwaway shitposty thing, which in a way it is. It's meant to be, to be funny. Yeah. But when you started explaining it, 
we actually see this really complex creative process that's extremely unique from some data point that looks idiotic. <laughs> like it looks completely stupid. There's no way this can be useful. Uh, but then you start to talk about it. And all of this really cool stuff comes out from you drawing from, uh, you know, mundane things and finding this unique little twist on it to going into explaining how how you kind of don't have some long term plan, which is probably why it's going really well. It seems like that is the yeah. plan. That yeah. is the long term. That may plan. be the most yeah. successful way to do it, uh, which sounds kind of counterintuitive. But as you talk about it from the specifics like a single tweet or, or the, the discord videos to, you know, your general approach, you get to see how this is playing out to be a really sustainable form of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, it's, it's a weirdly awesome plan that is uh, like a spontaneous order coming out of chaos. It's right. really cool. Yeah. So, um, before we let you go, we love to honor creativity and the creativity of our guests by asking them a random question that has no answer, but that you okay. have to just make up on the spot. Okay. So gotcha. my question for you, Quackity, is who invented tendies? Tendies. Tendies. Like chicken tendies. tendies. Co- correct. Yep. Correct. Correct. Tell us the story. The origin story. The of origin tendies. story of tendies. So hold on. I live in a third world country. We don't. We don't eat that. We don't eat it all. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so tendies. <laughs> can, can you kind of describe chicken tendies so I can just kind of get you know an idea to make sure I'm talking about the right thing? It's it's like a strip of chicken, like a chicken strip that's okay. breaded and deep fried, and then you dip it in. Yeah, any sauce of your choice, ketchup, yep. honey your mustard, dipping sauce, barbecue oh sauce. God. And this is the type of food item that, uh, <laughs> you know, like a, a mom would make for a, a, ran- a rambunctious group of middle school boys <laughs> who are very, very hungry after a long day of getting banned from Discord. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what happened. How do you know? So she will serve them a, a large platter of tendies. And, and nobody knows... Where they came from? Only you. The whole nine-year-old nine army eats these as a ration, right. an official ration, every day of their service. <laughs> Correct. But nobody knows the origin story yet. Yeah. See, probably I'm thinking someone made someone the person who made chicken tendies, someone who really fucking hated chicken nuggets. <laughs> because chicken tendies and chicken nuggets are the exact same thing. But this asshole is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want chicken nuggets. I want chicken tendies. So. <laughs> No, I'm, th- I'm thinking, uh, yeah, someone who hated chicken nuggets made up uh, chicken tendies. Someone who likes to overcomplicate things, too, because <laughs> the moment you I mean, how do you do that with a chicken? How do you how do you get in like the uh, cylinder kind of form? You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, And then you got to bread it and then you got to fry it. and You're going to do that. Over, well, I mean, you can do several at a time, but, you know, why, just go with chicken nuggets, you know? I'd say an American for sure. No one's going to overcomplicate themselves for food. Deep fried food, that is, more than an American. <laughs> I love the hatred for the nugget, too, because it's somebody right. looking at this just being like, my God, I hate this thing. But, but it would be amazing if it was long. <laughs> if the way I see it, if you probably want to eat for longer. You know, longer right. food, longer times of eating. American, for sure. Right. I want to get at least four bites out of this chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, exactly. Quackity, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this has been an me. absolute delight. I don't know who says something has been an absolute delight. Uh, <laughs> I hear other like than... the big band Boomers. music playing in the background. Is I know. You, yeah. It's way past your bedtime. It is. I'm so tired and I, I, <laughs> I need to take my Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again, Quackity. And uh, you are about to exit the Create Unknown. This episode was brought to you by Rode Microphones. Their awesome mics deliver the sweet sounds of our vocal reverberations directly into your ear holes. If you want to use the audio equipment that we use, go to Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E dot com and start sounding amazing. 
Special thanks to Quackity. If you enjoy smiling and laughing and having a great time, then go follow him on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Follow him at the supermarket when he's buying Lunchables. Actually, (laughs) maybe don't do that part, but everything else links down in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you've heard, and you better have... Please leave a <laughs> please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. It just helps us out and it takes you 2 seconds. It takes you more than 2 seconds. Then let me know over at twitter.com/createunknown. I don't know why I use the URL. Just go to Twitter. It's like an app or something and find us at createunknown. Subscribe to the Create Unknown for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite podcast app. If you want to watch the show with your eyeballs, tune in on YouTube. We also post clips on our highlights channel if you just want to watch a quick clip. Links in the description. The Create Unknown is produced by Triangle Content. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check us out on YouTube at Vsauce2. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. This episode was edited by Adam Ganong. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Maura Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. That's it. See ya, space cowboys.